Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Outside the Sheds. Shedheads, I hope you feel that buzz. I hope you feel just a jolt of energy racing, coursing through your body right now. And I also hope you had a great week leading up until this feeling we should all be having right now. Because as we start this episode of Outside the Sheds, and I greet you and and say hello, and I am your host still, Corey Jackson, your Shed Adamas. That buzz we're feeling right now is that, that there's a thing called Magic Round that's a matter of hours away from starting. It is a festival that we will all take part in. It's a festival that we will all watch. And if you're in Brisbane, you will really live the excess, the, 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 the fuel, the, the pump in downtown Brisbane. But as we start this episode of Outside the Sheds, we have to start with round nine. And I almost feel sorry for round nine as we go into the 40-20 because it really got looked over except for one major thing that happened, which we will talk about briefly, that kind of put a little bit of shade coming up to round 10 in Magic Round. But the story and the talk going into round nine was the little general's homecoming, Adam Reynolds. And as we go into our 40-20 recap of scores, we start there because we all got to experience on Thursday night the Broncos and the Rabbitohs, Adam Reynolds being able to play against his former team in his beloved Redfern against, I I don't know, a backdrop of of, uh, a little bit of uncertainty that we all were feeling, a little bit of anticipation. So you just can guess what Adam Reynolds was feeling. But the Broncos prevail 32-12, to and you know, like I said, we're going to go into this in more detail because I think we really need to unpack a little bit more about a lot of the occurrences and things that led up to this and why it was such a monumental match. Raiders 14, Bulldogs 4. I think, to me, the feel-good story of the entire round, because I don't know if Adam Reynolds is really a feel-good story, because... I don't think a lot of us feel he should have ever left South Sydney. But my feel-good story was the Jared Croker. We talked about this last week. The captain was back. He was going to play for his beloved, you know, green machine. And you know what? The Raiders do win. They get that win. But in the midst of it, Jared Croker goes down with another injured shoulder. Uh, I think we can... Whatever higher power you pray to, I think we should pray to it and say thank you because Jared Croker's injury is only going to keep him out two to three weeks, that shoulder injury. It's not um, going to be a, you know, a season ending. And for, for Jared Croker, it could be a career ending injury, but it's not that. He should be back in a couple of weeks, but it was just so sad to see uh, him go down with that injury. But the Green Machine does get back on track with the victory. I would say maybe the most anticipated in some ways as terms of match on the field match of the round was the Battle of the West. Eels 22, 
Panthers 20. The 21 game home unbeaten streak coming to an end. Uh, and again, the reason the Battle of the West is such a big match. Sea Eagles 36, Tigers 22. We got to find out there's a third Trebojevic brother. You know, we always talk about Jake and Turbo, but there is a third, and he made his appearance, uh, and he did quite well. And we may be seeing him in the side for the rest of the season. Um, the Tigers fought back, I guess you could say valiantly, but right now the Tigers don't need valiant fight backs. They need victories. And if they don't win this weekend, uh, which is going to be a tough task, you start to wonder if some murmurs start coming back from the Tigers because really they still only have, you know, a couple victories and all of the good mojo they built up, will it be lost by this point? Roosters 44, Titans 16, Teddy, hat trick. One thing you can say about James Tedesco, as he goes, usually so does the Chooks. And Teddy put in, again, another one of his spectacular performances showing why he is the Blues fullback. Cowboys 36, Knights 16. Knights show heart. They they really kind of try to dig themselves out of this funk they've been in. But unfortunately, in the end, seven losses in a row. A team that at one time was top of the table is now carrying the wooden spoon and starting to get a firmer grip around it but then you look again at, at, the, at the cows a top three side right now uh toddy payton's boys looking well and I, I have to say this i know a lot of people are talking about nico hines possibly being the buy of the offseason but the more i look at it the more i'm starting to still say that it could be chad townsend so that, that that seven of the Sharks seems like it was kind of a pivotal thing there. But, you know, Chatty just does what he does. He leads his team around the field. Um, you know, he's not this gigantic presence or force that you would say. He's not the biggest of guys. But he just gets the best out of his club. And um, I'm just happy to see the Cowboys living up to the potential that I think a lot of people thought they had. Storm 42, Dragon 6. What can you say? I, I, I don't I don't even know where to go with the, with the Melbourne Storm. They lose Ryan Pappenhausen to an injury, which, again, we'll go into a little bit further detail soon. But they score, again, 42 points. That's 162 points the Melbourne Storm have scored in the last three weeks. Now, they'll be tested this week, so I'm curious to see that. And without Pappenhausen in the back, it's going to be very interesting, but... Uh, wow, just an out-of-control runaway freight train right now, the Melbourne Storm. And then, in, in probably maybe the most talked about after the round match of the round, Sharks 29, Warriors 10, the Sharkies beat the Warriors down a man with Bubba going out for that high tackle on Reese Walsh. Um... I don't know. I, like I said, I want to talk about this because we have to look a little bit more about, I think, where the problem is for the New Zealand Warriors. I think by every means they need to get back home, even though they've been, they've had everything set up the way they kind of wanted to at Redfern right now. 
excuse me, not Redfern, Redcliffe. I apologize about that, South Sydney fans. But they need to get back to New Zealand. Um, I, 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 but they, there's more problems than that, Shedheads. There's a heck of a lot more problems than that. So let's get into this, this, this talk about the round and upcoming events. Um, we know the biggest story last year in the game was Adam Reynolds and that a lot of people felt that South Sydney was taking advantage of probably maybe the most important bunny on the field. Some people might say Cody Walker. Some people might say Luttrell. But I, I still say the conductor of that team is Adam Reynolds. And when South Sydney only offered Adam Reynolds a one-year deal, the writing was on the wall because Adam Reynolds wanted security for his family. He didn't want to be playing year-to-year uh, you know, on contracts. He wanted definitives. He wanted numbers, and he wanted security for his family. And, and he deserved that. I, I really do feel he deserved that and does deserve that. So the move to Brisbane takes place. He goes up. Kevy brings in his, his halfback that he's been looking for. And we were all looking forward to round one. We were all looking forward to that first meeting when South Sydney went up to Brisbane. Unfortunately, Adam Reynolds, uh, like a lot of people around this world, could not show up for that game for reasons that we all know. Uh, a little bit of the COVE. But again, we all had that, that there was an undertone, this undercurrent of this mat, this matchup. And and the Broncos found a way to, to 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 triumph and to win that match. All good, right? Well, this was the Red Firm homecoming. This was Adam Reynolds coming back to his stomping grounds and showing, I think personally, why the attack of South Sydney has been nowhere close to I think what a lot of people anticipated to be. Yes, Latrell is out, and that's a huge, huge loss. But Cody Walker has been nowhere close to the player that a lot of people were expecting. You know, Cody Walker's not young. He's, thir- you know, in the rugby league world in terms of young. He's, only, he's 32 years of age, and he just is off. A lot of people think that it's because of the... Uh, you know, Wayne Bennett leaving and the feeling that Wayne Bennett put through a lot of his senior players. But the direction of the attack has been nowhere close to what it was last year. And this all stems from Adam Reynolds not being in the side. Well, I I think we got what we were expecting. Adam Reynolds showed out. He showed why and what the, you know, what South Sydney was missing. He has, you know, he scores a try. He scores 16 of Brisbane's 32 points in the victory. And he leads Brisbane to the first double, meaning two victories over South Sydney in a season since 2018. And I and I I think the sky is the limit for the Brisbane Broncos. I really, really do. I think that Adam Reynolds has shown that he has got these guys back on track. Kevy's getting that defensive staunchness that he's been looking for for the Brisbane Broncos. But this is, to me, all the little general. This is all Adam Reynolds because you can see as one team continues to thrive, one team is is really you know taking water on quickly, which is South Sydney. And I really don't know. I, the only way South Sydney has a chance is for them possibly to... You know, for Cody Walker to start playing like the player that I know that he is and to see how long they can hold back, you know, 
that that flow that they need without having Latrell there because they've got to find something in the back and 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 Blake Taff has not really done that yet. So there's a lot of questions to be answered um, in South Sydney, and and I don't know really what's going to happen. We're going to see some some shake up there. We're getting ready to talk about again for them, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very interesting, and and I don't really know um, what it you know I you know I heard Corey uh, Corey Parker say that that he thinks that they're not even going to make the eight this year, South Sydney. So there's a lot of people already really jumping off that train thinking that this is not something that is going to be fixed and fixed easily. Now, we can't go forward without talking about the second biggest story of the week, and that was the Battle of the West. I know about the Battle of the West firsthand because the great uh, Dom Gonzalez. You know, uh, my, my interview piece for this show, my good friend over in Australia, his passion dressing all of his children up, in blue and gold, uh, you know, taking poor Sonia and, and getting her under. I, now, we're not going to talk anymore. But Dom, happy wife, happy life. Anyway, I know about the Battle of the West because Dom talked to me about it. I'm saying his his cousin is a gigantic Penrith Panther supporter. So when you live in Western Sydney, you know about this fight. You know about this battle. You know about the, I don't want to say hatred between the teams, but there is a strong dislike between these two teams. And we really, 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 really got to see this because no one gave the Eels much of a shot at this match. But you already started to feel going into the match that this was going to be a little bit different. And the Penrith was going to have to come over the top of things they weren't used to having to come over the top for. First off, to start, we get word that, that Ivan Cleary has a knee infection that is so bad that he's in the hospital and was actually going to watch the match from the hospital as long as his incredible nurses let him, um, was going to watch the match from the hospital but was going to be in contact with the team because he wasn't going to be able to get there. So that's that's one thing. And then Cameron Seraldo comes down with COVID. So now you have the head coach and the assistant coach out of the match and you wonder, you start, you start thinking, okay, well, is, is this Penrith side that is pretty battle-tested, I'm saying they've won 21 in a row at home, um, you know, this is their backyard, sold-out crowd, would they feed off the emotion and just ride over the top of the eels? And then you had Brian Tao returning and Moses Leota also coming back into the side. And, and really, Penrith started off really, really well. Uh, they scored, you know, They scored the first try of the game. And they, I don't want to say they look like they were on cruise control, but anytime I see Ivan Cleary, I mean, excuse me, Nathan Cleary miss a a kick after after try, you kind of get a little concerned. You just kind of wonder if everybody's on the same page because the guy is that money with this kicking game. Okay, well they still are doing well, going to half up fourteen to ten. Uh, you know, looking strong into the second half, up 14 to 10. And then all of a sudden, a game that looks like that you kind of just get this feeling that Penrith is just going to, you know, they're going to get a break, they're going to get that try, get some more separation, and then just take it home. Doesn't happen. Reed Monty gets awarded a penalty try, which I by every means agreed with. And 
it was it was pretty darn insane because after that point, the Eels just got a belief. Gutho just kind of took over this team and did a beautiful assist to Ryan Madison, and he scores. And all of a sudden, you're looking at this and going, whoa, whoa, what is happening here? And I will tell you, the, the, the Eels showed you why a lot of people have said that they're going to be a top four side, why a lot of people think that they're going to be one of the sides that are going to be there in the end playing for trophies uh, at the end of the season. And, you know, can we really say they won't? The problem with Parramatta is we don't know which Parramatta side we're going to see week in and week out. You know, they're blowing teams kind of out of the water to start the season. They lose to the West Tigers. They just, they don't sometimes make smart decisions. Well, one thing we do know is that Dylan Brown needs to be in the six from this point forward. There's no reason, unless he's injured, to think about moving that guy to any other position. All right, he's a special player. You know, we're seeing the best Mitchell Moses that we've maybe ever seen in the standpoint of his confidence and his kicking game. And then I still say this, this team goes off of King Gutho, the gyrating captain for the, the blue and gold. And, you know, there's not much more you can you can really say about it because I don't think anybody's losing confidence in Penrith in what they're going to bring to this season uh, at the end. But I think we really, really see that the Parramatta Eels are for real and if they play up to their potential, they are a threat to win it all. So, really, really exciting game, really interesting game. Uh, and again, I know we were all wanting the Petty Panthers to come over the top of this game to set up a just barn-storming match for Magic Round. We're maybe not going to get that, but we're still going to get a great match. We're just not going to get two teams that are coming in off of, off of victories. Now, I want to address something. We talked a couple weeks ago about Sean Johnson when we were comparing him to D.C., Daily Jerry Evans. And I was saying how the different direction from both these teams, that we were probably thinking that we were going to see this rivalry be something that we saw for years to come. And it didn't, it didn't pan out that way. But what we saw this weekend in the Sharks and Warriors match again, to me, puts a major red flag up about Sean Johnson. And I know Magic Johnson, his brave and nasty, he has to say, Magic Johnson, he has had some incredible moments in the world of rugby league. But he's a shell of the player that he was. I'm saying one of the strengths of Sean Johnson was always his ability to attack the line and his incredible stepping and getting free throwing passes, he's never been known as a, uh, you know, a Cooper Cronk, as a, a field general that was setting up the game from kicking and chasing, even though he doesn't have a horrible kicking game by any means, but smart play, conducting play. Now, we could say that he's coming off of an injury and still, you know, trying to feel his body out to an extent to find out, you know, what he can do and what he can't do, but I think Sean Johnson is far enough, far enough along now in his career one and in two, feeling his how his body's going to react to contact and all that. And I don't know if he's playing scared. 
I don't know if he's worried about another injury costing him a season, but I just know that this is not the Sean Johnson that that was the Golden Boot winner. And unfortunately for the Warriors, if they really are going to take that next step and try to play finals footy, he's got to become at least half of that player that he was before. And that, to me, that red flag showed so much with that match against the Cronulla Sharks. The Sharks go down after Bubba does the high tackle on Reese Walsh. And, you know, and the Sharks are down to 12 men. And then at one point they get down to 11 because of another penalty. And when I watched the game, only one team out on that field was playing unsettled, uh, with no direction. I'm saying Nico Hines left the, the half-pack position and switched back to fullback with, with Bubba being thrown out of the game. And he still looked like the, the seasoned veteran out there compared to Sean Johnson. I'm saying he led from the front. A guy who has played, let's say, a full year of footy because, you know, he, he was always filling in for Pappenhausen, but starting. And he looked like the guy that was cool and calm, under pressure, that, that, that was ready to attack the line and attack for the side. And we got nothing. And the Warriors didn't just lose the game, but kind of lost embarrassingly to the Sharks in this match. I, it is the first time in 15 years that a team has won a match when a player has been ejected, thrown out in the first half. One time. That's happened before in 15 years. And I, I, I don't know what to even really say. It's because the thing about rugby league is you have to play the mismatches, right? So you get the team chasing and you throw the ball around and you get the mismatch that you're looking for to go over the top. And they had no direction in that, in that case. And that, that falls on Sean Johnson's shoulders. And no matter how much of a fan I am of, the, of Sean Johnson, the player, and the new dad, and all of that, he has to play better. He has to play better. And if it wasn't for a couple, you know, late field goals that he kicked, where would the Warriors season truthfully be? You know, if Matt Lodge is an auto, oh, my, uh, my chin, you know, take that dive, you know, Recently, they lose that match too. And, you know, the Warriors would really be in a world of hurt. So, I don't like to talk bad if I, if I can help it about players. But I do owe you, Shedheads, true talk. I promised you true talk. And Sean Johnson, I don't know if he has it in him still. But he has to lift his game to be a better player if the Warriors are going to do anything this season. Now... I talked to you earlier about the buzz, Shedheads. I talked to you about how excited I am. And that is Magic Round. That's what you're feeling right there. That buzz that I was talking to you about is not Magic Round. Now, I want to tell you why Magic Round is so cool. Because I have been to the Auckland Nines one time. It was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Uh, me and Mrs. Shed Adamas were over there, uh, kind of on our honeymoon. And... I will tell you that it was an atmosphere of a party, right? 
it was at Mount Smart Stadium, and and it was cool. We got to walk through the city to get there. Uh, people were dressed in costumes and outfits, and uh, you know they they had a, a a meet and greet with people. I mean, with the players. So you got to meet a lot of your favorite players, and and so it, it was just a really cool thing, right? And that was in Auckland. And let's understand something. New Zealand, no matter how much people love the Warriors, is still all blacks country, right? It is all blacks country. And even though the you know the Warriors get their their tiny little chunk of of, of adoration in the country, it is still all blacks country. It is what New Zealand is known for, the Kiwi and the All Black. That's it. And, and incredible people. I'm not saying that's all, but I'm saying that is when people, everyone around the world knows the Silver Fern. They know the All Blacks. So now take that type of event that I just kind of drew out for you and put that in, in rugby league rabbit area. And that is Brisbane. And that is why Magic Round being in Brisbane just feels right. I know that they've just won. I guess it's become a bidding war. They've won Magic Round for next year as well. And I think it couldn't be in a better place, personally. If the grand final is going to be in Sydney, I think Magic Round should be in Brisbane. It doesn't sound like that's how it's going to stay because it sounds like this is going to turn into a bidding war where where cities are going to want to see if they can get magic round there. But I think you have to put special rounds like that in special places. And Queenslander, Queenslander, Queenslanders feel that rugby league is their game. They believe that the Maroons are the true team for, for you know, for rugby league, state of origin. And they just have this, this incredible passion for the game. And it shows. So I, I can't even fathom what this is going to be like, this round. We've watched it before. We've watched it grow even more. Um, so it's a magical, it's a magic round. It's a magic round. And to me, the key highlight of magic round will be the Panthers against the Storm Saturday night at Suncorp Stadium. It I can't really think of a, a better venue and prime time match for us to all watch and and two things i know are are, are, are things that are that are really <clears throat> we wish we had and that was an unbeaten panthers side coming in and not having that loss in the record from last week in the battle of the west and we all wish that ryan pappenhausen was there because we want the best of both of these teams when they go head to head right but i don't think that's still going to damper how incredible this match is going to be. Um, and so I can't tell you how excited I am even, I can't tell you more. That that's, That is everything you need to know of how important I think this round is going to be. And I think we've got some, some incredible matchups, which we're going to get into very, very shortly when we're doing our picks for this round. Now, unfortunately, we've got to talk about the bad just as much as we've got to talk about the good in this show, on this show through this show and we've got to talk about two key key injuries that reverberated through the game this weekend and the first one I just talked about was Ryan Pappenhausen a guy that you would have to say is is been informed for quite a while a guy that is 
exciting in so many different ways as a player. And you have to say is is only getting better uh, as he goes through his rugby league career. But Pappenhausen is now lost to the storm for four to six weeks with a hamstring tear and a PCL injury. And and and, I, and no matter how much I love Ryan Pappenhausen, the thing that you have to say is he is not the biggest guy in the world. And a lot of times when I watch Pappenhausen play, I'm always bracing for an injury to occur. I'm bracing for him to possibly get hurt. And I know all these guys can get hurt. I'm saying there's no player that makes it to the grand final, the last game of the season, that doesn't have some type of injury. And so we we get that. We understand that. But he's just not a big, big dude. You know, he loves raising greyhounds, Pappenhausen. And he's kind of built like a greyhound. And you just kind of sometimes go, oh, he's not going to get up from that one. And he does. But this is going to be a key loss. And I know that, you know, Bellyache somehow just finds new pieces to slot in. We have to remember every single player that's played fullback since Billy Slater left has been a fill-in. Like, he, okay, he's going to take the place of Billy. Okay, well, you know, this guy isn't going to be able to live up to how great Billy was. And whatever, you know, is it the gods or is it just the god that is bellyache? He gets that right guy in there. So it is going to be very, going to be very, very uh, fascinating to see how he sets this up, who he puts in the right place. But again, you're also looking at a club that's got Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster, it, it, you know, it, the Wombat, uh, the Hectic Cheese. You know, he's got the players in the strike to actually get this done. So that's going to be, you know, we're going to have to wait to see how the rest of the Storm season goes. But I do think that we're going to see some pretty special stuff because, you know, what better way for them to go up but against the Panthers the first time out of the blocks. And then the other key injury was the Rabbitohs captain, uh, you know, Cameron Murray who a lot of people really feel is is kind of the future captain for the Blues. Um, and and he, you know, you can thank the gods about this because he re-injured his, his already surgically reconstructed shoulder. But thank gosh, it's only going to be minor surgery. But that minor surgery is still going to cost him three to four weeks and possibly might see Cameron Murray out of state of origin game one. Now, it may be too soon to tell if that's going to be a true statement that I just said, but I already know that Brad Fittler is already thinking about some different key combination changes to, to brace for the loss of not having you know him in the side. So because of this, Cody Walker has been named captain going forward uh, until his return for the Rabbitohs. And, and, and I'm wondering if this jolt... To, to to Cody Walker, this new captaincy, getting this armband, if this will kickstart his season, because now Cody Walker won't be thinking about just Cody Walker. He's got to think about all this team. And by no means am I saying that Cody Walker is a selfish player, but he's a gun. He's looking to get his. He's looking to score tries. He's looking to set tries up. But now he's got to think about lifting his teammates. He's got to think about watching about how his teammates are going. And, and putting them in the right place, all that type of stuff. So, yeah, this is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, and and I can't wait to see 
uh, how Cody performs in this spot. But I know the rugby league world just wants to see, you know, Murray get back out there to put on that beloved South Sydney jersey. Now, one of the big moves that a lot of people think changed the way that, I don't want to say how rugby league is playing, but but the transfer market, uh, the trading, the signings, a lot of this was changed because of a move years ago when the Gold Coast Titans thought they'd sign their 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 halfback of the future and we're going to bring Daily Cherry Evans home back to Queensland, right? And it looked like that was the case. It was a big time deal. Uh, the Titans felt strong about their future. And then DC backflipped. DC had a change of heart. DC felt that Manly was home, got a good deal, turned his back on his deal that he had signed with the Titans, got out of it, and the rest is history, right? The, you know, well, it looks like the Titans haven't learned anything from it because they're back in negotiations with a player for Manly and back, I guess, fiddling with the halves because Manly 5'8", Kieran Foran, is set to sign a two-year deal to go to the Gold Coast Titans. And I don't think this is going over too well inside the sheds for the Manly Sea Eagles. We don't know if this is because Schuster, Josh Schuster, who a lot of people felt was the 5-8 of the future going forward, it's because he said that he wants to be playing 5-8 for Manly next year. I don't know if any of us will ever know deep down what is going on there, but I do know how beloved Kieran Foran is in that locker room. I was so excited when he re-signed that deal to come back to Manly. Because I think in the end, uh, we're going to all agree that he probably should have never left Manly. Uh, Manly gives gives Kieran Foran, I don't know, a sense of home. Because I think he goes back and remembers and he thinks about, you know, when he was young, how they took care of him, all that type of stuff. Because since he left Manly, he had an okay time with the Bulldogs. He probably doesn't even want to remember uh, his time with the Warriors, but that just felt right when he went home, when he went back to Manly. And I know that he likes <clears throat> that part of the country, uh, Gold Coast, but I just don't know what type of player. And I know, <clears throat> excuse me, Shannon, <clears throat> but I know that he really will be a key signing if if he goes to the Gold Coast Titans. But <clears throat> my gosh, <clears throat> excuse me, but I don't know if that's the right move for the player. And I think the stability he, he adds to Manly will be key for the Titans. But I don't know if that's where the, you know, I don't know if that's the jersey he should be really pulling on. Uh, I would love if he finished his career out with Manly, played another two or three seasons, and then retired a Sea Eagle. But it doesn't look like it's going to be the case. But again, we didn't think that DCE was going to be with Manly either. So I think this might be a story we need to watch. I think this might be a story that still has some moving parts still in the future. Um, even though Kieran Foran seems like he's pretty much a straight-up guy. When he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. So we'll have to wait and see. Now, 
talking about movements and developments of players out of favor, all that type of stuff. A really strange situation happened this week, but due to his inability to find the field, Cody Nicarima has been granted an immediate release from the New Zealand Warriors to join South Sydney. And I got wind that he had asked for a release, but I didn't, I guess, see the the, the small print that said that he was already linking with, with, uh, with South Sydney. But that's the case. And Cody Nicarima may actually even be in the side this week because of a possible injury to, to Taft in the fullback position. He might be playing fullback for South Sydney for Magic Round. Now, he signed with South Sydney for the remainder of the 2022 season. And he has a player option for 2023. So this doesn't look like this could be a one-off if Cody Nicarima, I don't know, finds, catches fire and plays like I've seen him play before. Um, But I kind of look at the situation and I just want Cody Nicarima to find a home and a team that, that really uses him the best way possible because he always seems like he's the talk of being that player that's going to going to be that future and then all of a sudden when it looks like it's going to be his time it doesn't pan out that way so it'll be I, I will be watching that South Sydney match for sure to see if he adds a little bit more attack from the fullback position for South Sydney which I think he has very much the ability to do now also in the world of signings and player movement a bird, a, a bird, a player that I have always really enjoyed watching, Jack Bird. Yes, the that bird that I just mentioned earlier. Um, he's kind of been in limbo to an extent, in purgatory, where he didn't know where his playing career was going to take him next. Uh, if he was going to stay with the Red V, if he was going to have to be looking other places. But that has been put to rest because it looks like Jack Bird is getting ready to get a three-year extension to stay with the Red V that will keep him at the club until the end of the 2025 season. I think this is incredible news for Jack. I truthfully don't think he wanted to leave uh, St. George, and so now he doesn't have to. Uh, And I really do think after the injuries that Jack Bird has had recently that he is still just kind of rounding back into form and rounding back into the player that we watched win a premiership uh, and a championship with the Sharks back in 2016. So congratulations to Jack Bird to finally, because I I know how how players, when they don't know what their future is going to be or where it's going to be at, it, it, it weighs on them. So I'm expecting Jack Bird, as soon as he fully heals up, uh, for as much as he's going to fully heal up till the end of the season, uh, to really have some some really striking form going forward. And I hope he has a great remainder remainder of the 2022 season. Now, I'm done. I'm done with the talk of of, of 4020 stories. I want to get into Magic Round picks. We saw, and I hope you're paying attention, Shedheads. I hope you're really keeping track because your Shed Adamus went 7 for 8 with his picks this last week. And I'm not going to pat myself on the back too strong, like, you know, because I don't want to hurt that rotator. But that was a great, great, great picking session we had last week. Uh, we were pretty dialed in. 
Uh, and we won't talk about the fluke of the one miss that we had. So let's go into this. Round 10, magic round. Let's go into these matches. Friday night, Knights versus the Bulldogs. A seven loss in a right, the streak on one side, seven in a row in the loss column for the Knights against the Bulldogs. I don't know if Gus has gone down to the sheds to fire the boys up again, but I'm going with the Doggies over the Knights. And then some people up in Brisbane think it's the match of the weekend, but the Broncos taking on the Sea Eagles, uh, the little general coming back after having a, a week of celebration after beating his old club. I'm taking the Broncos. I think that Kevy's boys are finding form. I think the confidence is through the roof. And I do think that they come over the top in a really good match, but they beat Manly on Friday. Saturday, Rabbitohs versus the Warriors. I'm going to say this. I don't know why I'm making this pick. I think the Warriors, after being embarrassed about how they lost playing with you know, playing against a team with 12 and then 11 men for a little while. I think they rebound and they get the victory over the Rabbitohs. Dragons versus the Titans. I I just for some reason think that with Campbell coming back to play fullback, I think that the Titans find the form that it looked like they were starting to kind of find a little bit last round. I think they come over the top. I think they get the victory. I think that Gold Coast beats the Dragons. Panthers versus the Storm. Whew, I don't know where to go with this match. I was really, of all the matches this week, this is the one that I had to walk away from and come back to to, to really figure out who I thought was going to win it. But I do think the Penrith Panthers will win. I think that that loss for Pappenhausen is just enough to see the Panthers get over the top of the storm. Sunday, Raiders versus the Sharks. I'm going to say this right now. I am not picking against the Cronulla Sharks unless uh, it's a very, 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 very much a, a, a strobe light event that really shows me why I should. I've got the Sharks over the Raiders. Eels versus the Roosters. This, to me, is the biggest match of the season right now up to this point for the Sydney Roosters. They have to play their best footy of the season this weekend to show that, that they can be the side that your Shedadamas thought they were going to be, but a lot of people thought they were going to be this year. So I have the, the Roosters coming over the top of the Eels. I think an Eels team that is going to be feeling really good about themselves, an Eels team that just got done winning the Battle of the West, and if I'm just taking the Roosters in this. And then finally, the match to end Magic Round. The Cows, Todd Payton's Cows versus the Tigers. And right now, uh, after watching an interview this week with Todd Payton, it is very, very, very tough for me to pick against the Cowboys. Uh, they've, got, they've got a tough stretch coming up here. Where we're going to really see what this team is going to be by the end of the season. But I think that they will handle the Tigers and get that victory. So, that is our 40-20 recap and breakdown. Let's go on the mark. And we had some really exciting stuff happening in the world of the AFL this week. And some pretty big stories. Uh, it started off with that team, the resurgence. We should start calling them the Port Adelaide Phoenix. Because they, this team that was smoldering 
and on fire have been reborn. The power, 86, Bulldogs, 69, three straight for Port. And unfortunately for the Dogs, more injury woes creeping into the side. Dockers, 102, Ruse, 24. Frio rolls as the Ruse roll over. Tigers, 113, Magpies, 86. Dusty's return takes the, the Tigers over the top of their... Their dreaded rival. Suns 75, Swan 61. I, I got to tell you something, Shedheads. If you picked the Suns in that match, more power to you. Because the Sybil Suns, the multi-faced Suns, somehow find a way to stun the Swans. Cats 88, Giants 35. Uh, the victory for the Cats leading to uh, Cameron stepping down as the head coach. And, you know, we talked about this a week or two ago on the show about him being embattled. Uh, but Leon Cameron finally uh, was, has been put to the sword. Bombers 108, Hawks 81. Um, the the ill-stricken Bombers somehow find it in them being down, being down players, being down in the match to come back to right over the top of the Hawks. That's a brutal loss for Hawthorne. And we'll have to see if this one has lasting effects. Lions 105, Eagles 30. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to talk much about the Lions. Shedheads, I just want to know how excited you guys are to watch the future battle between the the Eagles and the Ruse. This could be a match so bad that it goes down in history as being one of the greatest matches in AFL history. Demons 93, Saints 55. Well, the class of the competition continues to shine, continues to show what they are, and continues to, again, I would have to say this, pulling away a little bit from the pack with the way that they're playing. And then finally, Blues 116, Crows 68. Uh, big six goals for, for, for Kernow. Um, and the Blues, again, get back on track and back in the win column. Well, we start off in our recap of On the Mark by starting with Great and Western Sydney. And, and after a 53-point loss to the Cats, embattled coach Leanne Cameron finally put himself to the sword by stepping down as the head coach for the Giants. Uh, I think we all saw this coming. I think we all saw the writing of the wall. I think we saw uh, Leon Cameron when... Talks broke off about a contract extension. I think a lot of us knew what that meant, that really GWS was kind of looking for a reason and a way to, to, to move on from Leon Cameron as the head coach. Now, he's going to be honored this week uh, in this final match because he's going to coach one last time for GWS so we can be honored against Carlton. And the thing about Leon Cameron is, he had some ve- some very, very, very big wins for GWS. The problem is he just could not take them over the top to have them win uh, that that grand final like I think that a lot of people thought that they had the strike to do a few years ago. Um, but that still doesn't change the fact that he did get that team and that young team to 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 gel together and to actually play some really good footy under his watch. Now, from this point forward, after this weekend, 
Uh, their assistant coach and former Bomber, bomber um, Mark McVay, is going to take over as the head coach for the rest of the season. And then again, you start wondering who will be the new skipper next year for GWS. Now, I, there was a couple of good feel-good stories this, this, this last round in the AFL. But to me, the real one that really, to me, that jumps, jumps off the page is after eight weeks away from the club that he loves, uh, we got to see Dustin Martin run back on the field in the yellow and black after he took time away uh, to get his mind straight, to grieve a little bit for his father, um, his best friend, and try to get himself stable and, 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 and to get that, that, that hunger back in him to, to play the game that he makes look sometimes very, very easy. Um, now, to me, the great thing about Dusty's coming back is how the entire Richmond club lifted, right? They, they just they played with a passion and a strike that we haven't seen a lot through this season. Uh, and, and, and I'm going to say Dusty, after looking a little, you know, he did look a little... I don't want to say out of place, but he, he did look like it was taking him a little bit of time to get comfortable in the game. But, you know, after he finally calmed down a little bit, he, you know, he still gave the don't argue. Might have been a little bit high. But 23 touches and two goals later, uh, I think we can say that Dustin Martin is very much getting back into form and hopefully going to have an incredible remainder of the season. Like I told you before about loss, when we talked about loss, I talked about my loss. The problem with loss and grief is it comes in waves. And hopefully Dusty gets that that structure, which Richmond is known for, to help him feel comfortable and relaxed um, and to make his mind at ease. I know Richmond puts in a heap of time with players um, to help their mental side of the game. So hopefully he takes advantage of that. I know he's comfortable with that. And, 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 and people who are upset that after the match, Dusty didn't want to do interviews, come on, get off, step off yourselves for a little bit. You know, what that kid has gone through, what that young man has gone through um, recently, and he's never been a guy that wanted to sit in front of the microphone and, and, and show his pearly whites and smile at the camera. He is, that's not the guy that he is. He's very guarded. He's very... Um, private, and and so after a, a huge moment like that that he just experienced, why would anyone think that Dusty was going to run to the microphone? You're you're in, you're insane if you thought that. So welcome back, Dusty, and 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 uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season for you. Now, even though Dusty did get the major headlines for Richmond, to me it's Tom Lynch's resurgence, which has got the Tigers looking like they could be a team. Uh, once they all come together and gel and get everybody back, you know, are my team that I picked to go all the way this year. And Tom Lynch is that player. Tom Lynch, his resurgence that he's had this season uh, has been, to say remarkable, is an understatement. Uh, he kicked another six goals in this match against the Pies, and he took over the lead from Tom Hawkins uh, in the Coleman medal race. He, this is the player that Richmond thought they got a couple seasons ago. 
in Tom Lynch. This is what they thought he was going to be. I don't think anybody thought it was going to take the amount of time that it did for him to get there. But, uh, shitheads, I'm going to tell you something. Tom Lynch is there now. And with that big man up front and with the rest of the guys that team has that can just buzz around the field, Richmond looks dangerous. And at 4-4, four and four, Richmond is back in the 8. And they're not going to stay at 8. That's all I have to say there. Now, to me, the other feel-good story was we got to celebrate this this weekend Sam Powell Pepper's 100th game for the Port Adelaide Power. And the reason I say this is something to really to, to, to really reminisce and, and to, to, to call to attention is Sam Powell Pepper has not had, I would say, the easiest transition uh, to Port Adelaide and to get him, how, do I, how should I say this, his foot embedded into the team. And he's had his ups and downs. He's had his, his tough times and his tough moments. And a lot of it is, you know, he's a young man still. But we got to see him reach 100. And that is so huge. And I, I think the thing that really showed me the difference with San Powell Pepper and how he is a raging bull on the field. We know that. He, he's one of my favorite players to watch. But the moment he let his teammates run past him and he grabbed his little daughter and he slowly walked with her and the way that he was looking at his daughter as he walked towards his banner, uh, how gentle he was with his little one, I think all of that, as we talk about it, I think all of that shows you the transformation in Sam Powell Pepper. And to me, it was beautiful. To me, it was one of those moments that I think um, none of those those teammates at Port Adelaide will forget. Uh, a, a lot of those players say that Sam Powell Pepper is easily the most loved player on the side, um, that he is always caring about his teammates. He has got the biggest heart of anybody there. Um, and so I just really love to see that. I really love to see that he uh, he's transformed into this man that I think, I'm going to say this right now, Shedheads, I think Sam Powell Pepper, before it's said and done, will one day be the captain of Port Adelaide. That's how much I think and how important I think he is to the side. Now, after all of that fanfare and, and celebration, we also got to see the power go up there and get a victory 86-69 to over the Bulldogs, which marked their third straight victory and gets them a game and some percentage points out of already being back in the top eight. And with the next three weeks, they have a very winnable schedule. There, I think, personally, they will win at least two out of the three. They've got the Ruse, the Cats, and the Bombers as their next three matches. To me, the Cats match is the only match that stands out as a match that they could lose. But I think that they're going to win two of those three for sure. And I really think that you're going to start seeing them ascend the ladder. Uh, I don't know will they make it all the way up into the top four. But we are still pretty darn early in this season. And if if Port goes on the winning streak that I think they have the possibility to go on, um, they're going to be right in the mix at the end. Now, for as excited as we are about how well Port is playing, uh, the woes for the West, you know, the Bulldogs, it's starting to get worrisome. You know, Marcus Ponapelli didn't play in the match because he was being rested. But in that match, they lost Tim O'Brien, Latham Vandermeer, and Cody Whiteman. All right? 
you cannot, as a side, continue to lose players the way that they've been losing players and think that you are going to be able to, 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 to raise another flag. And the club has already shown that they are kind of a little bit of an up-and-down club so far this season. I know under Beveridge, the, sh- the ship will be straightened and it will be corrected. But you can only correct so much if your guys keep going down. And we'll have to wait and see. I know that they've got uh, some winnable games, just like Port Adelaide coming up in the future, where they might be able to use that to piggyback off of you know some multiple wins to get that confidence going back. But they are going to be really tested. And and like every AFL club, like you guys are probably thinking, shed, you know, you know, come on, Corey, everybody's tested. I know, but I think, excuse me, I think a lot of people were expecting this side to really, really, really push for the four, the top four position, and I don't know if they can reach that either. But I know that they had the strike in it, and we got to see that. With to me, the shining moment of the match for the Bulldogs was uh, Buku Kamis coming in and kicking his his first goal for the for that team. This kid is a gun and this kid might be that that lightning rod to now hit the Bulldogs. Uh he is a freak. I think he scored I think I, I think I've read that he's he he's kicked 10 goals in the last 3 matches in the VFL. He is a a strong 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 young gun and I hope that, you know, and you can see how beloved he is. When he kicked his his first goal, I don't know if I've seen a club uh, run to a young, a, a kid that kicked his first goal and celebrate him with him the way that they did. It was, it was kind of a, a little bit of a spine-tingling uh, moment right there to see that. And I love to see it. I love to see uh, the young players really excel and, and come back into their own there. So congratulations to, to, to Buku for, for coming on the scene, and I can't wait to see what he does for the rest of the season. And fingers crossed, hopefully help lead uh, you know the Bulldogs back to where a lot of people think they should be. Now, I know that was, I guess that was a somewhat feel-good story and not feel-good story at the same time, that last story, but we've got to talk the, the bare bones and the truth and the pain sometimes of the game. But even though they got their victory last week, the Carlton Blues were really given a a, a, a painful right cross blow to the chin um, on Sunday when they lost Harry McKay to injury. And this injury isn't going to be something that that is going to be, you know, something he's just going to be bouncing back from and coming back in a week or two. It's a six-week injury. Uh, it looks like it's a lateral meniscus injury, uh, and this is huge because he has kicked 20 goals so far this season for Carlton, and he's one of the, the the strike players for that team. And with Carlton being six and two right now, they're going to need all the guns they possibly can because this is a side that isn't used to, you know, how should I say, w- winning and staying on top. And when you have a team like that who's kind of learning to win together, they're kind of younger, um, and they've got a new coaching staff in there, and everything's been positive up to this point pretty much, what do they do when they get a little bit of a negative moment? What do they do when they get a little bit of a a negative um, kickback to them? And and that type of a player loss is is huge for a young team like that. So hopefully, uh, you know, Carlton can, can figure this out. They can kind of get their ship straight. 
uh, and that the rest of the team steps up to get those goals that are going to be missing as long as uh, Harry's out. But um, like I said, that's why we love footy. That's why we love the AFL because for as tough as this game is, we're expecting to lose players week in and week out. And this is going to be one that Carlton's going to have to find a way to come over the top of and figure out. Now, we did pretty well last week in our picks uh, for the AFL. Uh, I think we went six for nine, right? Yeah, we went six for nine, so not too bad. Uh, not the seven, but I, hey, we add all of those 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 victories up for me for the uh, NRL and AFL picks. Last time I checked, you're making a house payment, shedheads. You're making a house payment. So let's get into these picks for round nine. Unfortunately, we don't have a magic round scenario for this round, but it, it, we've got some really key matchups. Starting out on Friday, we've got the Bulldogs versus the Pies. I know with the you know the losses of some of these players, it looks like this should pin and, and point towards the Pies. But I'm taking the Dogs. I'm taking Beverages Boys to get the victory. Tigers versus the Hawks. I There's no way I'm picking against Richmond right now. I think that the energy that this club is going to feel with the return of, uh, you know, Dusty, I think that, you know, I think they're just going to do some magical things uh, for a while. So I've got Richmond over the Hawks. Power over the Ruse. You know, I, I'm wondering if I should even mention the Ruse and the Eagles games. Maybe, maybe because you know no one's going to let you bet on those games because no one's expecting those two teams to be able to do anything. But easily, I'm taking the power. Saturday, Cats versus the Saints. I think the Cats are a lethal team, and I do not think they have a letdown uh, with the Saints. Bombers versus the Swans. This is something I've got to say right now. The Swans better get their act together because they've lost a couple matches I didn't think they were going to lose, and they better put the Bombers to the sword because if not, um, some of these people have started to point out some of the deficiencies in the Swans, and hopefully they fix that up because if not, we may be seeing some a, a team that we thought was going to do some, some impressive things really start to slide. Lions versus the Crows. I'm taking the Lions. I think the Lions uh, have a strong, strong chance to, to, to raise a flag this year. And I don't think they will by any means slow down against Adelaide. Dockers versus the Suns. Like I said, do we ever know which Sybil Suns team is going to show up? I know I don't. But I'm going to take the Dockers over the Suns. Sunday, Blues versus the Giants. We're going to go with the Blues over the GWS. I think the influx, the change of Leon Cameron, I think the Blues find a way to beat the Giants. And then finally, the porcelain god in the room, the statue everyone wants to look at, the Melbourne Demons versus the Eagles. Again, should we even be picking this game? Now, people in Vegas would say you should take the Eagles in this match because by every means it looks like uh, this should be a runaway victory, but I'm not doing it. I'm staying with the D's. Now, the Guns, I got to tell you, it was really tough because we had a lot of players who really lifted their games to pretty high levels, but I'm going to take my number one gun as Charlie Curnow. Six goals, three behinds, 21 disposals, 20 kicks, one handball, 10 marks, two tackles, 609 meters gained. Uh, a really, really impressive match for Charlie in leading his club. I don't do this often, but we usually don't have guns on here uh, after for back-to-back weeks. 
But I don't think you cannot have Tom Lynch on here. Uh, you know, he took over the lead in the scoring race for goals uh, over Hawkins. And again, he kicked another six goals. But uh, Tom Lynch, six goals, one behind, 25 disposals, 19 kicks, six handballs, 11 marks, 426 meters gained. Um, Tom Lynch, uh, again, Richmond, uh, yellow and black, I hope that, that you can, I hope you're getting pains in your cheeks from smiling right now because Tom Lynch is, is rounding into the, the player you thought you got a, a couple years ago. And then finally, James Tedesco, three tries, 226 running meters, two line breaks, one line break assist, 10 tackle breaks, and four tackles made. I, again, we know that Teddy, as Teddy goes, is how the Roosters flows. I don't know. I, I just made that up on the fly right there, Shedheads. But we know James Tedesco uh, is the heartbeat of that club. And he, again, showed what he is this weekend by help getting them back on track. So congratulations to the Guns. Uh, can't wait to see what you guys do this week. Now, as we go outside the bubble, I want to start off with a story that really uh, kind of got me angry. And your Shed Adamus, he doesn't get angry Okay, he gets angry, but not often, often, but he burns a little hot occasionally. But I don't really even know how to start off with this. How do we say this? The frustration that I have sometimes with awards, and I know a lot of players will say award is what an award is. The only award you should care about is the trophy at the end of the season. I understand that. But to me, an MVP award is an award that you get when you're special, when you have had a special season, and when you are by far the best player in the league. And the NBA sometimes just, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing half the time. Uh, I don't know what a lot of leagues are doing, the NFL especially. But we're not talking about those idiots right now. But the NBA sometimes just misses it. And they just, they just miss it. Like, they've got a kick right out in front of the post, and they somehow shank that thing about 40, about 40 yards to the left. Because somehow the NBA has named Nikola Jokic the MVP over Joel Embiid. And I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was shocked a little bit. But then at the same time, I'm not. Because in the way the world is going right now, if anything shocks you, you're kind of an idiot. All right? Nothing should shock you anymore. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever should shock you. Okay, maybe if a little green men show up on your Capitol building, that's a little bit shocking. But besides that, nothing else should shock you. Nothing. All right? But I was shocked. Okay, little green man. It was. Because to me, Joel Embiid has from day one this season been the best player in the NBA, in my eyes. Uh... Also, he hasn't had the tools. I'm saying, you know, he was supposed to have his right-hand man, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons doesn't play one game this year for anybody. Sorry, Brooklyn. But Joel Embiid did things this season. Let's go. Let's just go over this really quick. He averaged 30.6 points per game, won the scoring title, making him the first international player to ever do so. And the first center to do that in 20 years. He also averaged 11.7 rebounds and 4.2 assists a game. 
and I want to say something now because the voting didn't just happen six months, you know, six months ago, six weeks ago, 13 days ago. So what what these people that vote for this award got to see is that Joel Embiid has his team in the second round. And he doesn't have the James Harden that that Daryl Morey, who loves to hug James Harden more than anybody likes to hug anybody. But but they send Ben Simmons to Brooklyn. They get this shell of a player that used to be the beard. And so again, Joel Embiid does not get the help that he was thinking he was going to get. He doesn't get that Batman and Robin one-two punch. And what does the guy do? He gets his team into the second round of the playoffs. Then he gets a, 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 a bone busted in his face, an orbital bone cracked. A lot of players are like, yeah, I'm done. Deuces. I'm out for the rest of the season. He comes back with his with his black Michael Myers mask. And, and a Philadelphia 76ers club that was 0-2 against the Miami Heat, the moment he takes the four, they win two in a row to get the series tied, heading back to Miami. I, like I said, and, and then when you look on the other end, you look at Jokic, and I'm not saying Nikola's not a good player, because he is a good player. But last time I checked, he's not even in the playoffs anymore. He's not. So if, to, to me, an MVP is a guy that gets his team in the best possible place and gets them farther along. And if you even look in the standings, I'm saying it just, it baffles me. Uh, the, the, the performance that Joel Embiid had in game five, he is one of these new athletes, okay? The, the, you know, these, this, these aren't the Bill Lambeers, Charles Barkley, Shaq O'Neal's. Um, Rick Tockets in the NHL. These aren't the same players that we, a lot of us grew up watching that if you did something to them, they would never forget it and they were going to get you, right? They were going to get you. That's just not what we have anymore. These are just not these guys. This is not what they do. They are very emotional. They care about how many likes they have on pictures. They they care about how many people, uh, quote-unquote, uh, our um, subscribers, fans, uh, whatever you want to say in social media world. Um, that's what they are. And when something goes wrong for them, a lot of them carry that weight for them. But the thing that disgusted me the most about that game against Miami was that his teammates didn't pick him up. His teammates played with that same kind of aloofness and out-of-character play that he played with. And, and so I think, again, that shows you how important Joel Embiid is to that team. They thrive off of his battery. And if his battery is low or if his battery is unplugged, they play that way. And to me, if you there's nothing more that you need to say about who an MVP should be. It's not even, it, it, it's insane. It's insane. NBA, you got it wrong. Joel, you are my MVP. And that's how we're going to end this right now. I'm not going. I'm getting off my soapbox. My ankles are hurting. But MVP to me, number 21 for the Philadelphia 76ers. Now you guys know I love myself some NHL. I love myself some NHL, and we've watched some pretty incredible hockey uh, for this first round. But we have four elimination games tonight in the NHL. 
starting tonight, uh, the Oilers at the Kings. The Kings are up three games to two. A An Oilers club that has to win this series. They have maybe the two best players on the same team in the NHL with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They've got to get over the hump and win a, a round in the playoffs together. They have to. They have to. And then you know the Kings know they do not want to go back to Edmonton. The Kings know that they have to find a way to win this game for Dustin Brown on home ice tonight. This is going to be an epic match tonight. This, 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 this game is going to have everything that you want in an NHL game. So that is one of the elimination games. Hurricanes at Bruins. Uh, the Canes are up three games at two there. A lot of people think the Canes are the better team and they should win that series anyway. But Boston is just Boston is just that rash you just can't get to go away no matter what you seem to put on it. And they are once again being that rash to the Canes. Leafs at Lightning, the other major series that I can't get enough of. The Tampa Bay Lightning. Let me tell you about this team. This team has won 16 games in a row when after a loss. That is why they are the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions because you can't kill them. And tonight they're going to have a chance to prove that you can't kill them again because they're facing elimination. The Toronto Maple Leafs trying to get rid of that moniker of the Toronto Maple Loafs have a chance to knock out the defending champions on the Lightning's home ice. Going to be a barn-burning match. Another, I'm saying you get a back-to-back tonight. You get, you get the Leafs and the Lightning followed by the Oilers and Kings. Outstanding, outstanding hockey. And then finally, the Wild at the Blues. The series a lot of people aren't talking about, which is to me a little crazy because the Blues just won the Cup three years ago. Um, but the Blues are up 3-2 to in the series. The Blues, to me, probably are the more sound team. But I, for some reason, think this, this series is going to go 7. So, incredible hockey tonight, Shedheads. I don't know if you guys are really into the puck. But if you like physical sports... Uh, you're missing it because I still say the, the Stanley Cup playoffs is the best playoffs in all the sport. And then finally, we've got two elimination games tonight in the NBA, kicking off with my MVP, number 21, Joel Embiid, down three games of two to the Miami Heat, but going back to Philly, going back to Philly. I don't think LL Cool J sang the song that way, but we'll think it that way. Um, let me put it this way. Joel, Sixers, you better not lose this game tonight on home on home court because you might have to run out of the building before it before it burns to the ground. Do not play with Philly fan. Get the victory tonight. Get it to seven, and then Joel, you can show why you're the MVP. And then finally, the Suns at the Mavericks. Unfortunately, the Suns are going back to Dallas after a, a pretty despicable display of fans. Um, where fans, uh, I shouldn't say fans, but a fan uh, who did not have any type of supervision from his parental figure uh, got thrown out of the game for messing with Chris Paul's family and touching Chris Paul's family. Um, it, it, it's, I think this game tonight, I think the Suns put the Mavericks away. I think the Suns are out and have a point to prove and I would expect Chris Paul to have a big, big game tonight. So, um, two big games. 
if you love sports, wow. What, what can you say? You've got you've got six elimination games in two different sports. Following that up with dessert of the beginning of Magic Round, it it does not get better than that, Shedheads. And I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Wait, 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 wait a second. Was that uh, the high ho song? That the anyway. I hope you guys were able to take this in because this is going to be a monumental day in sport. I hope you love them. I know I do. But that is it for me, Shedheads. I am signing off. Uh, this has been a great episode. I've enjoyed it. I uh, hope you guys have a great remaining part of your week. Uh, I hope you guys are ready for some magic round, some some elimination games, and for some, and for some great AFL games. But until next week, stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. Uh, I am your host, Corey Jackson. I am your Shed Adamus, Mr. On Fire with the Picks. But until next week, I will see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.